Welcome to the Crushing Land Podcast, brought to you by The Land Method. Each week, our host, Jonathan, along with The Land Method team and special guest speakers, will answer your burning questions on land investing or discuss relevant real estate investing strategies and principles. So without further ado, let's get started. Well, good day, everybody. Welcome to our Crushing Land series. Uh, We're happy to have with us today our special guest speaker as we do our fourth guest speaker episode. Uh, This is our first guest speaker episode since we've added the extra format of our podcast as well. Uh, So uh, for those of you who are listening to this on the podcast, uh, rather than watching it live on Facebook or YouTube or anything like that, uh, make sure to uh, go back and watch those other episodes uh, as well. They're on YouTube on our channel. Uh, you'll be able to see it there. But again, uh, this is our first uh, guest speaker episode since we started the podcast. It's our fourth one overall, and it's one that I am very, very, very excited about myself. Uh, the reason being, as we've been telling everybody here for a while, is uh, with those other guest speakers, it's kind of as you need it, right? Uh, you come across different things and you need certain help. You need help Uh, with a probate issue, you need help with transactional funding, whatever it may be, you need assistance there. This is something that as you're getting going in business and as you're planning your business and as you're starting, you need right from the beginning, right? This is something you need to be doing right from the start of planning your business. And then as you're growing your business, as you're turning it into something else, it's something you constantly need. It's something that you need to keep growing, something that you need to keep pushing, uh, something that you need to adapt to all of that as you go along. So I'm happy to have uh, with us today, George Familio, Uh, He's actually a good friend of ours. He is my CPA. He has a master's degree in taxation and a bunch of other stuff that I'll let him speak about. Uh, But he's also a good friend of ours. Uh, My wife and I actually rented our first house when we lived in in Florida from him. Uh, Him and his wife, very close to us. He was involved in our wedding. Uh, So good friends as well as uh, the the smartest accountant CPA that I've ever met just as far as putting everything together. So uh, George, happy to have you here with us today. Um, so let's just start really quick before we jump into it, if you want, and just, uh, you know, tell, give us a little bit background on yourself. Since you gave me permission, I'm going to start talking about myself. Okay. So here it goes. Um, why do people like me? Because I'm a landlord. I own real estate. I love real estate. But besides that, I have the background. What I did, I started a long time ago. I became a CPA. I went to Villanova Law School. I got a master's in tax from there. Okay. And a lot of other things during that period of time. I used to, I actually had a real estate broker license back in Pennsylvania. I'm from outside of Philadelphia. You could probably tell my, by my accent or whatever. So I'm a Philadelphia and Jersey boy. I tell people that, but so, you know, I was a real estate broker, but that that was for learning, and I did a I did a lot of apartment sales, and I did some little shopping centers. We sold some bars and some businesses in Philadelphia. That was fun back then in the early eighties. Anyway, after the after law school, I uh, went to different real estate programs. They had uh, a program at Widener College for uh, a paralegal program specializing in real estate. My father wanted me to become a doctor or a lawyer, but I like CPA stuff. I'm a musician also. And, as, and it's musicianship 
and music and CPA goes hand in hand a little more because it's all up here. It's all mind stuff. So it's kind of cool. Anyway, I never went, I never uh, became a doctor or anything like that, but I, uh, my father was a real estate lawyer and he also uh, did other parts of law, but he, we grew up in the real estate business. My grandfather, Joseph Familio in the twenties was a real estate broker down in South Philadelphia. Yes, South Philadelphia. And on all the little row houses, I remember when the old deeds used to come in when I was doing paralegal work for my dad, starting my CPA practice back in the late 70s or whatever. Okay, when all that work came in, I saw those beautiful deeds, you know, those fancy old deeds where it's it's script, it's like handwriting, the way they used to make them. I even have one around the office somewhere we, unfortunately, someone cleaned and put it aside it's here we have to find it because i really would love to frame it I've i been actually have one framed right here you can't see it but it's right above me it was actually I, we found it when my grandfather died it was his grandfather his parents and the deed is from i'm looking at it right now 1919 yeah no i got i got stuff from the 20s this is yeah. from because my grandfather you know he was uh, he was a South Philadelphian. We're going to stop there because there's stories about my grandfather, but it wouldn't be appropriate to tease a little bit on on Zoom right now about it. But my father grew up in the real estate business, went to the World War II. He was a bombardier. He was, uh, uh, you know, all the rest. He was a navigator, all that stuff in the in the Air Force. He got out of the force and he started he started selling real estate, but he also went to law school. And he became a lawyer. So he specialized in real estate law. That's how I got my upbringing. I worked for him. I and I would me. say it's safe to say, right, that, I mean, you do a lot of, you're, you're a very accomplished CPA, but a lot of what you do is tied to real estate. <laughs> that's, that's my point. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. my point. We have hundreds and hundreds of real estate clients, and those real estate clients are in 39, 40 states around the country. We do all states and seven countries. We have a lot of foreigners that buy real estate in Florida, in California, actually in uh, Arizona and other states. It doesn't really matter where you are. But there's a there's a foreign real estate act. And that's why I have some foreign people. There are investors that buy here. And when you when the foreigner has to sell real estate, there's all kinds of stuff you have to go through. So I do a lot of that. Yeah, that's we've done dealt with that, especially in Florida. We've sold land. I mean, I remember probably, I don't know, 10 different countries that we've had minus Canada. I mean, obviously, a lot of Canadians, but but. Saudi Arabia was a big one for some reason. They like, but a lot of different countries where, where that comes in. So that's huge. And, and guys, one thing I will say a little bit before we get into this today is he's going to be talking about a lot of different information. And since we've got people here that are like brand new to very experienced, don't see, hear this and be like, I'm not doing this because you may not just be there yet. It's just like anything else, right? a lot of this stuff you put in place as you grow, it's just like anything else, as your business expands and as you're looking for it, that's where you start. But, but a lot of it also is at the very beginning. I mean, we, when we sat down, when we were first starting our business, it was getting that entity set up right. And, and he'll talk about that and, and having everything structured correctly. And then from there, as we grew having extra entities and, and all of those things and, 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 and planning and, and, and creating, you know, 401ks for yourself, if you so did all these other things. So, as you're hearing this stuff today, everybody, don't be like, oh, my word, I got to jump right in. No, because you, you're doing a deal or two. But as you get going, it's definitely because the whole point of this is building a business, right? It isn't, it isn't, you know, just doing a deal here or a deal there. It's to build a business and to grow and everything like that. So 
you know, what he's going to talk about a lot is going to help you from day one with that first initial step to, you know, moving right up. So George, go ahead, you know, jump into it and start, start talking about. Okay. For the outset, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you a little of my philosophy. I don't run with the crowd. Okay. And you landowners, you're not running around with the crowd either. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes the minority being in the minority makes you win in the end. So I like to run with excellence. It's a big thing in me. And I like to be ahead of the pack. And that's what I want to express to you. Creativity is the key. Let's think outside the box. You guys give uh, Jonathan any questions because I, I could be interrupted anytime. Because I'm here for you. I'm, you're not here for me. I love doing what I'm doing right now. It comes across. I know it does. But I'm doing this for you guys. I'm paying. I was given a gift in life and I'm on my job in life is to pay it back. That's my goal. Anyway, so we're going to start out with just something basic, just fundamentals. Fundamentals are like we want to maximize our tax and our financial opportunities with the new tax laws. We're not going to go into a lot of details about about apartment buildings and all that kind of stuff. I do a lot of that, but I do a lot of land deals with clients that are flipping or they're just building their portfolio as a land banking type of situation. And you know what? What do we get from real estate? We, we want to get cash flows. We're not renting the land, but in the back, we're really interested in raising our return. We got tax benefits, capital appreciation. You know, whether you're flipping or just holding for a while. Now, I'm just going to diverse a little bit. We're talking about holding ground. A lot of people will buy lots, flip them, subdivide. We'll talk about subdivision a little later on, okay? Because we have some tax ben benefits or tax problems or challenges if we uh, uh, subdivide too much. But we'll talk about that. But we want to, you know, you're going to, if you happen to have some land and you hold it over a year, you get that magic, magic, magic capital gains rate. If you're not a dealer, I'm not done with that because we're going to talk about dealership and what that means, okay, for you guys. So, you know, and I know people that wholesale land. I mean, you could do wholesaling, you do tax deeds. These are, this is at the beginning. Some people like to get into tax deeds and certificates. That's another way to invest in real estate and land. But, um, we're going to skip a lot today on sometimes go over depreciation, but we're, we're you guys are here for land banking and doing land deals. So we're, but if there's any questions, just holler. But from the outside, I want to say a real principle of mine. Pigs get flat, flat, fat and hogs get slaughtered. So we got to do future planning. That is the key. OK. And how do we do that? By having the legal structure right. How, and that means ownership, okay? I'm going to talk about LLCs a lot. I'm also going to talk about land trust. Now, different states have different rules on land trust, but uh, a, a simple trust sometimes will give you privacy, okay? This is important, so I'm not going to just jump all over the place. But let's, let's start talking about the ownership. Now, it's like putting a turkey in the oven. You have a tray and you have the meat, okay? You might think this is silly, but think about it. The tray protects that roast beef or chicken or organic vegetables, whatever you're cooking, okay, protects it. It puts it together. So the tray is the legal structure. So when you do set up these deals, when you set up investing, you got two aspects. And that, if you can take this home, it's really important because I'll be honest with you, most attorneys kind of miss this. A lot of accounts, so they miss it too. That's all I'm going to say. I better hold myself back a little bit. But uh, it's the tray is the protection. Now, you cooks in the audience, 
if you put the tray, this sounds really silly, but if you put the tray in the oven and you just cook the tray, you got nothing. South Philly talk, you got nothing. But if you put the meat in the oven without the tray, you got a horrible oven to clean and you got probably a dried up piece of meat. The moral of the story is that it goes hand and glove. You need both. The legal structures, the lawyer calls the legal structure, okay, a shell. We're going to call it a tray. But the, the lawyer might say, what kind of shell do you have? Oh, I have a trust. I have an LLC. I got a corporation. I got a limited partnership. At that point, Okay, at that point, the only thing that, that we're talking about is legal structure, the title, okay? But after the title, we got the second structure. And that's why I love LLCs. LLCs been around for a long time. They've been around since 95, actually earlier than that, because Wyoming started it around 74 and Florida started at about 84. And then by 1994, and I'm not exact on the exact dates, most, most states had it except for Louisiana. But the key is in 1995, Iris came in and they gave us a buffet. They said to themselves mentally, just imagine this. They didn't want to go back to Congress. They didn't want to say, hey, Congress, we got 1040 taxation. We got personal taxation. We got trust taxation. We got corporate taxation. We got partnership taxation. We don't need another taxation. So they did the unthinkable. They gave us a Chinese American buffet. They said, you pick, you go to that restaurant and you pick what you want. You pick what you want. And they gave us four choices. So when we haven't, and this is important because it, it, it helps us determine our step forward. How do we own the LLC for tax purposes follows legal purposes. So we have to have them in harmony. And so you set up the LLC once we get there, okay? And then you did make a second setup. And the second setup is electing by mail, not online. It's not done with legal Zoom or it's not done by the state of uh, you know, the capital of your state, wherever you're at, you know, in the legal department. Some, some states will allow you to form a LLC online. I mean, that's how you form LLCs. You either do it online, you go to legal Zoom, you pay 200 to 500 dollars you get your lawyer to do it that wants 750 all the way up to 3000 depending on how complicated it is, and that's real. Or you use one of the service bureaus. There's a few service bureaus. Sometimes you get three something, but they give you the book and they give you everything else. And some people, they like that. They pay another $100, but they actually get shares in case they want to fill it out, but they want it for the bank. But so then you could, but in terms of the tax setup and that tax structure, the meat, whether you have roast beef, chicken, or organic vegetables, you can see what I like, obviously. Anyway, so whether you have that, you can either have like a sole proprietorship where it's just disregarded, but that's not always the smartest thing. Some people think that's the easy thing. That's easy. We do a sole proprietor, it gets slapped on your personal Schedule C or Schedule E, but we'll talk about that in a second. Or you do a partnership, you and your wife, you and your girlfriend, you and your partner, whoever it is, a brother, a sister, a mother, a father, whoever. You, and if you're going to split that up, you do a partnership. So you file it as a partnership return. Or you could do, if you're going to flip a lot and you're almost in business and you want to get away from, I'm jumping around, but we're, we're really here. So I'm going to just bring out a little bit of taxation here. And if, you got too, too, if I go too fast for anybody, just get with Jonathan and 
email him or whatever his technique is, and I'll be happy to repeat. I have no problems. And Jonathan, cut in here if I'm going too fast or if you think that maybe I didn't say it right. Anyway, in terms of just jumping over everything. But if we have where a comp where somebody's really hot and somebody's cooking and somebody's really working the system and you're doing a lot of flips, the risk eventually becomes, are you a dealer? That's the one of the risks. So for a dealer, we might want to have an S structure because it, it, it uh, stops the IRS from assessing immediately self-employment tax. Because as a partnership, if you're a dealer, you got double taxes. You got the self-employment tax of 15.3% up to 130,000. And then you also have the income tax and that's any bracket you're in because everything flows through. It's like a river. It just flows through your personal return. Just, just so everybody follows here a little bit. I mean, cause we're talking about land. I mean, I can even talk about our structures a little bit with what you've done. So obviously we're at a little bit higher level with investing than some people are starting, but that's okay. We've, we've built these things as we've gone along. And so what we've done is we have our parent LLC, which is just myself and my wife, you know, where that's the parent one that controls everything. That's the controlling company. And then below that, we have ones that are taxed differently that it all controls. So we have ones that we have with other people. Those are partnership LLCs. We've done ones where we did a subdivision and we created our own LLC just for that subdivision. Higher value, LLCs are very cheap to create. It was definitely worth creating on. Then we have one that he, like he was just talking about, it's a multi-member, just me and my wife. Again, that one's our flipping LLC. So, you know, then we've got our teaching aspect, which we're here. That one's a partnership uh, LLC that's followed. So, so all of these things are still falling under the same umbrella. It's just putting them in the right shell and the right, as he said, the right tax bracket, or not tax bracket, but the right tax categories and tax structure and all that from the beginning as you're going along. And it's nice and easy, just so you guys, this isn't something you need to figure out. That's what's beautiful about this, right? When, when I'm telling you what I'm going to do with the company, what's the purpose of this company? You okay, this is the way we're going to set up the tax structure. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the conversation we have with your office, which makes it really easy. It's not like I've got to sit there and be like, oh, what does this mean? And do I go here or do I do? No, we don't do that. We have that conversation with you or, or, or Shelby. Shelby's a son-in-law. He does a lot of the corporate stuff. Whoever we're talking to, and, and they're handling that aspect for us and it just runs smoothly. And so just from the land investing side of things and like actual practicality of what we're doing and, and, and what he's explaining to you from the tax side, but now just from our investing side, that's kind of how we have it working. So everybody can understand that. See, this works for whether you own one lot or two lots or 10 lots or 20, whatever your goal is. That's what I started out with. It doesn't, you could, just do it very little you could do it a lot it expands like it's like you're working dough for pizza okay you're going to need that dough you're going to turn it and, and spread it out you can keep adding to it this is the beauty of this simplistic program and it is a simplistic program once you get the structure once you get the blocks you can play with the blocks and you can build your building on the table just an analogy obviously yeah, but he, here's so, somebody just asked if you're talking about it. They just said, "Is there a minimum number that categorizes you as a dealer?" So where where does that kind of hit roughly? Well, I got to compliment whoever did that. I have to compliment them because that's not only a good question; that's a great question because that is a situation that we have to be careful about. Okay, uh, that was my, that was the next. He was reading my mind. You're not supposed to read my mind, but he was reading my mind. Okay. 
there, there's a principle. There's not a, a, an exact law, but there's a principle. It's 1239, I think. It doesn't matter the code section. It might be 1237 or 1239. For some reason, I can't. I, it's one of those. I know it is. But it says if you have a track of land, and this is what the law says, if you have a track of land and you do over five lots or four lots, okay, you are automatically a dealer. Now, that's not the, the mean five deal, but we take that principle and we say in each LLC, let's not do more than four or five. And that does I mean, at one time. So you might just say, well, I'm only going to do one a year or two a year. That's great. But you're okay. But once you, the question is, when does, what categorizes you as a dealer? Here, this the real situation here, and you're not going to find this in a book. There's no book that's going to, where article is going to read. You might find an article somewhere. It's not just a feeling. It's based on principles. And principles, we live with principles, and you just have to set yourself up right so you go under the right radar. Now, under the radar doesn't mean illegally. It never means illegally. It just means smart and intelligent. Okay. And that goes back That's, to where you talked about the right structure. If you are going to do more than that, if you if you're if you're in the flipping game, because obviously a lot of people are just flipping. So if you're flipping, that's having that right structure. You talked about the S Corp and having it set up right so that you're protected. A lot of people are going to do more than five, but it's like you don't want to basically that's why I like with the subdivision lot, you had us break it up because it was a different, let's not get into the same tax situation as we are in our flipping LLC, because this is going to be breaking it up. It's going to be selling it over time. And like, let's put that in this direction instead. So if you are doing those things, you know, it's not that, oh no, I've done over five deals. I'm stuck. No, it's not saying it. it's just making sure it's in the right categories for putting it in the right spot to begin with. See, it doesn't automatically make you a dealer. The dealer comes when you get checked. See, there's no guarantee. That's why you go under the radar. If you got, if you're worried about doing over five, you have a different LLC. It's smart too. It doesn't mean you're guaranteed to be successful, but it's it's not. It's foolish if you don't do it this way. So, so in other words, let's say for some reason you, you're you're doing three or four in one state, and then you're right over the border and you want to do one in another state. I'm getting off in the state taxation for a second, but it purposely applies here. You do another LLC. Now we like to do all different LLCs for different states. Because if you have to write home the mama, or I mean, I'm talking about the tax bureau, like in Virginia or Maryland, or I'm from Pennsylvania, Jersey, and those areas. So I, I know a lot about many states, but be, that's beside the point. You, it's best to have an LLC for each state. What you don't want to do is make it complex. Complex means that, oh, I did a Wyoming LLC or a Delaware LLC, but I own real estate in five states. Now, sometimes it's okay, but you're not going to like the accountant's bill. Yeah. And, and for practicality there, I mean, because like what we've done and what you've recommended is as you get going and you have your LLC, don't go create one because you don't know if you're going to do deals there yet, right? You might go do one or two. But as you realize this is going to be the majority of our deals are in this spot, then sure. It's like that, you know, I'm going to focus on two states and I'm going to do a ton of deals in this state and I'm going to do a ton of deals in this state. And then obviously go off and create separate LLCs because of what he just said, you know, because especially if they're state tax, Florida has no state tax. North Carolina has state tax. I do deals in both of those states. Big difference. North Carolina doesn't miss a beat as far as getting their money. You know, they're faster than the federal government when it comes to getting their money. So it's like, 
you know, so because of that, we have different structures set up for those things, but we're predominantly in those states. Now, I've done deals in other states, but I, it's just a handful. So does that mean I go and create an LLC to go do two deals? No, we didn't do that, right? Because we only did a handful. We only did a couple of them. So we were checking it out. But if I was going to go there and go nuts, you know, and a lot of that also depends on the tax year, right? If you, if you do a bunch of deals in one state in one tax year, and you finish that state, and then you move to another one in the next tax year, that's fine too. It's because you've moved on to a different year at that point. Yep, 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 yep. So, but the whole idea is that when you, if you're worried about dealership, which over five, over four can make you a dealer, not automatically. It's not like all of a sudden they write you a letter. We found out that you did five and a half, whatever five and a half is. Okay. So no, it doesn't work that way. It's when they check you out, you, you know, it's not like where we use uh, the roulette game. It's not like it's chance, but you have, you want to just be smart about it. So once you get too many, you close one down or you, you don't use it for two or three years and have two or three of them. And but you don't have to use sure them everybody all. understands here. We're, the people that are doing flips, you are, you are dealing. If that's your goal, if your goal is to go out and do 30, deals a year and flip them your dealer that's it you're going to pay the tax bill and that's the way it works what he's talking about is not mixing them so if your goal is to hold some stuff and get capital gains deductions on them and do other you don't want to be mixing your properties if you're out there and in one single llc and you're flip we flip 30 properties 40 properties 50 properties in a single llc but we're paying the taxes accordingly right because of that's what that's for so you just want to make sure that you're not you I, I love it. You know, the guy, uh, Mark Feldman in, 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 uh, in, in Bradenton there. One of the things he said really good about this that I still use all the time is he says, you know, people aren't stupid. And when you sit there, the IRS legal things, and he's like, and you sit there and you say it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck and it flies like a duck and it swims like a duck. But then you say, no, that's a goat. Doesn't work. It's like you have to, you know, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So you have to set up things the correct way based on your business goals, right? Obviously. So that's why I'm going back to that example. That's perfect. The one we held, the one we subdivided, the one that we are breaking off into 14 lots, the one that we're selling off for its own LLC for that purpose. Because of that, all of our flip properties, the quick transition, not holding them, doing different LLC, the ones that we buy and do work on. So we've talked about that. I've talked about perk tests and getting them fit. Those are in a different one. It's like, so because of what we're doing there, we're putting properties in different things. But it's not saying only do five deals in an LLC and call it a quit. It's just that you're going to realize that if you go beyond that, your tax bills and your are going to be according to that, which is fine. Because that's what we are at that point, right? We are dealers. If we're, if we're over there, flip, go flip 100 properties here. That's awesome. But yeah, you nothing know, wrong with that. Yeah, nothing wrong with by that. By the way, prepare for what's by the way, Jonathan, don't, don't try to mix. If you go do that and you flip a hundred properties and they tag you as a dealer, and then you've got five other properties in there that you're buying and holding and trying to offset with capital gains and deduct, they're going to be like, no, it don't work that way, right? You've got to keep it in its right <laughs> shell. So that that's a huge, huge, huge thing there. Yeah, goats don't float. By the way, so <laughs> yeah, it exactly. looks like a duck. It's good. so goats don't float. <laughs> Anyway, so so it's okay. What Jonathan said, it's okay. If you're going to be a dealer, okay, fine. We're trying to get the best of everything. So if you want to be, this affects people at the smaller end, actually, a little more. Because when you're, you're doing 10, 15, 20 lots a year, you're a dealer. You're yeah, we're dealers. A, I mean, straight up, I'm a dealer. I, I know that I'm getting a dealer on that LLC. It's getting dealer status. There's no way. I mean, that's what it is. It's, it's, 
which is just, you're just paying the tax bracket. That's okay. You're just not getting the, dedu- the normal deductions. You're just paying the, whatever that is that you're in. That's fine. You know, you, well, when, when you're in, be- and when you're in that in-between status guys and girls, okay, you're in between status and you're, you, you have a property that it's just a killer. You just, you know, every once in a while you make a great deal. You know, you're going to be making good deals because it's, it's easier when you're into it and you become an expert, you're going to make some good deals, but every once in a while you make a great deal. That's the deal you might want to do at 1031. You might want to say, Hey, I got to trade this, this sucker. I want to trade this sucker. See when you're a dealer, there's no 1031s. There's no installment sales because another way to make money on land, if you have a lot of cash, you know, and you want to sell it to somebody sometimes without a selling on the other end, without a lot of fanfare, you have like somebody that, you know, and they, they say, listen, man, I, I, you bought that property. We know you bought that property for 10 grand, but we'll give you 30,000 for it or 50,000 or 40,000. But I, we don't have enough cash. So you might say, oh, I'll take $10,000 down and take a mortgage back. You could do it like a land contract. These are just options. Yeah, we, we teach that. We do it all the time. You know, and that's so, somebody actually high. asked about that. They they said if you're doing that, if you're doing owner financing and you're doing flips, when do you separate them in the how many, I guess, do you have to hit, would you say, before you don't put them in the same LLC? There's not a magic number. The the number four or five that I've been touting is just a principle based on the code section. It's called reality. And so what we want to do is go under the radar. So how many, it's not, see, because LLCs are so cheap and so inexpensive, you know, it's not thousands and thousands of dollars to set one up. Okay. It's nothing, no big deal. It's just do another one to play safe. Yeah. Because each LLC. And you can always move them too. That's the other thing, right? People forget that. I mean, if you, if you buy it in an LLC and it's your flipping one and all of a sudden you just, just quick claim it over. It's not a big deal. It's not, it doesn't take anything. It's a hundred bucks. I mean, you know, not even it's, 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 it's a recording fee. <laughs> There's really nothing to it. So you can move it over if you need to at that point. And that cr- creates that situation. So it's, it's easy to remedy these things too, as you're going along. I mean, it's, it's nothing much to that. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm hitting dealer status pretty hard. I didn't mean to do so much, but. And that's that fine. I mean, I, I think people here need to realize because of what they're doing with the flips that you're going to be in that status. That's okay. And all that means is, you know, you go make a half million dollars a year, you're paying taxes on half million. I mean, that's, that's what it means. I mean, you're going to, that, that's it. You're not going to get all those other benefits because real estate owns huge tax benefits. But if your goal as you're growing is to offset some of these things, take capital gain deductions, obviously, as you're going along, all of these other things that come with it, then you're going to have to be a little smarter as you're moving along. And, and for the people at the very beginning, it may not be you, right? The very beginning, you may just be doing flips, then fine. Create the, the correct LLC to only do flips. And you still want that. You still want that right protection, right? I think ours are set up as an S corp for that. And, you know, so with that being said, you know, you create it, you create that. That's what George did for us at the beginning. That was our first one. Then we've added others again, as you go, as you grow, that's what we're saying. We're talking to people of all different levels here. Uh, somebody actually asked about that. If we can, let me go back to it here. I got to find it in my, uh, they just asked how the S Corp is different. Oh, great question. I, I love questions, by the way, everybody. I could change on the, on the dime. I don't have a problem. I've been doing this a long time. Anyways, why is the S structure different? 
as a ver- versus a partnership, let's talk about a partnership because, and you might say, hey, I'm a single guy. I'm a single girl. I'm just by myself. Well, you might have a, a roommate or you might have a brother or a sister or a husband or a spouse that could own 1% or your kid could own 1%. Partnerships are, I like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer that question by talking about partnerships for a second. I have a principle that I have to say that for good tax planning, get your personal return nice and thin. What do I mean by nice and thin? If you have a lot of LLCs and they're all sole members or single members where they say, I'm going to do things the simple way. I'm going to load it all on my my return. When the IRS looks for audits, this now remember, I have a saying I tell my clients, I'm not in the business of selling fear. I don't get paid for selling paranoia and I don't get paid for selling confusion. I, do, I get paid to do smart things. And that's what we're doing here. So when I say I want the tax return nice and thin, that means there's no juicy meat or filet on the personal return. All these K-1s come in from an S structure or a partnership structure with one or two numbers on it. So if you get audited and you say, well, I do things the old fashioned way. My lawyer, my lawyer told me, I'll make it simple. Put everything, have 10 LLCs, but have them all on your personal return. Then you're going to show rental properties or 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 flips or whatever on the personal return and all the meats there. So the beauty of having a separate, simple, cheap return is to have it separate. So you just get one K1, just like you get a 1099 of your, I'm joking, of $10 of interest from Bank of America today. Okay. Maybe more than that, but you know, with interest rates, nobody gets, <laughs> everybody gets this loud and clear. Yeah. We get 25 cents. Yeah. Of interest. You know what I'm talking about, but it's still nice to have a nice thin return. Now, based on what I just said, here's the difference between the partnership and the S. A partnership, if you're a dealer or if you're doing a business like sole, you know, like a real business business, earned income, you got two taxes. You got a self-employment tax at 15.3%. And then you got income tax that under the current law, we don't know what's going to happen. Don't ask me about the new tax law yet. I'm teasing. I can answer a little bit later on, but nobody knows. I'm telling you right now, they're going back and forth. So it's still future. We don't know yet. The politicians don't know. The public doesn't know. Yeah, it doesn't. That's the way it is. It's, it's a sad state of affairs. And I mean no political innuendo. You might gather what I'm thinking, but that's your situation. But I'm not talking politics here whatsoever. Okay. But we don't know what's going to happen. But anyway, partnership versus the S. The partnership has two taxes. I'll repeat it just so we know. We have the self-employment tax of 15.3% and then your tax bracket at 12, 22, 32, 35, 37, whatever, depending on how much you're making. Okay. With the S structure, the S structure does not have self-employment tax, but the S structure, you're supposed to have a reasonable salary you know, there's a trade-off, but let's say hypothetically, let's say on $100,000 income, and I use 100, not to say we're all making that. I use 100 because it's easy. 100,000 is just, I like the zeros, okay? What's a reasonable salary? It might depend upon what business, whether you're in the insurance broker's business or, or you're doing computer consultant or whatever the case is, or you're hiring a lot of people. But let's just pretend the reasonable salary is 45,000 a year. Okay, if this was a partnership, 
the taxes would be on 100,000 at 15% for social security or self-employment, and then maybe 20 some percent for income tax. And you might say, oh, I, might, uh, I heard the screen say, ouch, somebody was screaming at me, I think. I heard something like, oh my God, that's a lot of tax. Well, you're right, it is. With the S structure, you can save part of the self-employment tax on the profits, not the salary. You have to have a, if you don't have a salary, that old game was tried for the last 20, 30 years. If they catch you, they're going to take all your dividends and salary. So if there's no Bible, there's no book of Muslim, there's no book we pull off the wall that says thou shalt be, this is the salary. There's nothing like that. It's a judgment call and nobody can guarantee it, but we have to just be smart about it. Yeah, And that's yeah. how we do it. So, so everybody, just so again, to, to, to bring it into just the practicality of what we've done, we have our S Corp that has a salary built in. That's our parent company. It pays me a salary. We've set that up so that we're not playing that game. Then we have partnerships underneath that because the company actually owns the other company. So to have a company on another company has to be a partnership, right? You can't use an S at that point. So it has to be a partnership, but because it's a company that owns it, it passes up to that company. So we're not dealing with all that stuff that we talked about. And then our holding company, because we don't want it to go through all that stuff, he set up where it's a multi-member LLC, also an S, it's my wife and myself that own it. But because it's us in that case, not the company owning it, it's, it's basically just for investments only. It's not for the flipping. It's not for the, it's not all that stuff. So there's different structures that are set up. I'm um, again, straight up and clear. Don't get hammered with this. If you're not there yet, <laughs> if you're not go get your first one set up and use the S probably an S right to, to, to most people, if you're going to be flipping and you're going to be doing that, get that stuff set up the right way. And then you grow into this just like anything else. It's any other business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now on that note, we're keeping it simple here, but if you start really loving what you're doing and you start really getting into it and you, you take this as a passion and you say, you know, a young couple or whatever the case is, or so a divorcee says, hey, I, I'm doing real estate. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to go into real estate. I'm going to do the lands. I'm, I'm going to do uh, apartments. I'm going to flip. I'm going to turn things around, whatever it is. Eventually you'll have a management company that will deduct your car and everything. And that's what Jonathan's also talking about. But we're not here necessarily for all the details of that. And that's what our parent company we, does. I mean, our car's in there. Uh, you know, a, a, a part of our house is in there because we pay rent, right? So our business, since we're, we work from home, we pay part of our mortgage payment comes from our business as opposed to us paying it all. Ourselves. Why? Why not, right? It's a deduction. So all of those things are huge as you get, now you could still do that on your own, but it's going to be a lot more, like he said, your tax return goes from this to this, right? It's like, you don't want that. So it's having it set up nice and easy and, and all of that moving forward. So one thing I will say before I forget, we'll keep going here, but um, we do have George's uh, tax planning book here, tax planning guide, 32 pages. This thing is like intense. Um, we'll send a digital copy of this to everybody that's on. So uh, all you have to do is comment in the, if, if you've already commented, then you're good. You know, we'll send you a, a message and, and we'll get that to you. If you haven't commented yet and you want this, just make sure you make a comment so that Keely can reach out to you and, and get you a copy of that. If you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast, email us, uh, thelandmethod at gmail.com, email us and let us know. And we'll make sure that you get a copy of that as well. So depending on which format. 
uh, you're listening to it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing a bunch of comments now. Everybody's excited about that. So <laughs> um, one quick question here before we move on, because I think it goes along, is, is, is owner financed income taxed differently than flips? Oh, that's a good question. Okay, I can. I, let me let me talk about that because I I like that's another nice way to uh, um, when you talk. I assume that they mean like you own a lot and you're going to take owner financing back. Yeah, let's go back or, to your example. So you, you buy it for ten and you and you sell it for thirty. What's the difference in taxes if you own it? If you buy it for ten, you sell it with ten down, and you sell it for thirty thousand dollars over five years. Or if you sell it immediately for $30,000 as a flip and you walk away with a $20,000 profit check 10 minutes later. Okay. The first, the first box we have to check, the, most likely you owned it only a month or two or five days. Or, or let's day. go with one day because a lot of people are double closing, right? They buy oh, it no, on that's, one day. <laughs> that's okay. If that's the case, it's under a year, that's settled. There's no capital gain. We might call it a capital gain, but it'll be a short-term capital gain. Okay, but that there's no difference in rate. That's exactly the same as the ordinary rate when you're working at Walmart, when you're working at Home Depot, when you're doing a self-employed insurance sales, whatever it is. Okay, and, and just same so we're rate. clear here on that point, friend, uh, guys, most people, most of us are in that boat because you're not going to hold stuff for a year. You're, you're trying to flip. Most people are trying to flip these things or sell them quick. Like, don't try to avoid that. People are like, they, they want to get every tax. No, you get the tax break that makes the most sense. You take the tax benefits that make the most sense. You don't try to sit there and be like, if I do this, you may in certain cases, you buy a house that you live in and the house goes up a half million dollars in value, live in it for two years. So you don't pay capital gains, right? That makes sense. But if you're out there and you've got a piece of property that you're buying and investing and you're flipping, you structure your business the way it's needed. So don't look at that and be like, oh man, I'm losing. No, you're not losing out. It's just knowing what you're dealing with. Yeah, that's exactly, that's pretty much what I basically are shooting for. So assuming it's all ordinary gain, which it is, okay, if that's the scenario, obviously. Then if you say, okay, you, you sold it for 30,000, but you said, hey, this person wants to buy it for 30 and I, I only paid 10 for it. I want that 30. I want that 30. That's what you're saying. And he doesn't have the money. And if it's that big of a gain and you don't mind holding, waiting out for 30, 40, excuse me, not 30, 40, but three or four years, okay? Whatever it is, you, you say, okay, I'll take $5,000 down, but you're going to give me 35. I'll take $5,000 down, but I want 30. I don't want you to pay me in four or five years or seven years, whatever the case is. That's your internal planning because that's you're going to use up your capital. And if that's all the capital you have, that you might not be able to do another deal unless you get a hard money lender. If you have somebody else, that's another way you can also finance some of these deals. Okay, so so what you do is you take some money down. So here the key is to answer the question exactly. You pay tax over a cash flow, so the tax follows the cash that comes in. Yeah, a little we're bit dealing with that right now. Like for example, like our books are being done because we're on a fiscal year. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But That's I right. mean, Shelby's doing them right now, and he was basically like, "Send me your ledgers for this year." So in those cases, you know, we buy a property for whatever it is. We have a owner finance, and it's like you know, keep track of that. Obviously, you need to keep track of where the money's coming in. But here it is. We just create a simple ledger for each one. I sent them to them over in Excel. And it's like, here you go. Here's the cash. Here's the cash. Here's and and it's nice and easy, right? And then obviously we have our deductions on those properties as well. Because if we're holding, if we have our taxes, we're paying property taxes. If we're, you know, so it's not, oh man, I'm getting three hundred dollars a month. I'm taxed on three hundred dollars. No, because it, it may only be two fifty positive, right? Because you may be paying property taxes. You might be paying for insurance on the whatever it may be, HOA fees, things like that. So that's a huge thing, guys. Though because. 
in a lot of cases, like with banks, I believe, right, with houses, they're taxed the day they make the note, right, for the whole amount. So it's like if, if they do something and they own or finance something, unless that's changed, it used to be. That's not the case anymore. It's when it comes no, in. No. no, the same thing applies. See, this is this is when you're a deal. If you're a dealer, there's a low there's a low uh, income exemption. Now, when I say it's, I said it wrong, it's not a low income exemption, but See, once you get over five million or something, and when nobody's here is like that, okay? Like you're like Sears, you're like pennies. When they sell with no money, with no money down, they pay tax day one. On a house, you could do the installment sale. That's absolutely you can do it. But on the ground, it's the same rules. It's called an installment sale. But if you, you hit a certain threshold tax, with that, you're gonna you're gonna right. pay on day one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I knew there was something out there where it's like day yeah, one. It doesn't I don't think it affects anybody yeah. here. Once yeah. you're over five million, is a different story, and I th- and they change it all the time. There's a cost of living possibly in that, but anyway, we do have some like that. But you're going to find out most uh, installment sales are a lot less than that. So, but but you got to remember, there's there's a two components to it. You're required to have a basic interest, and that's how you look. I'm, we're not, this is not a sales seminar, but I'm going to give you a little sales tip. Okay, I might as well throw it in. So if you're if you got a lot and you're trying to sell to somebody. You're going to say, okay, uh, 35000 They're going to say, oh, ouch, I'm not paying you that. Say, listen, you pay me that. I'm going to already take $5,000 now, and I'm doing you a big favor. Now, you might not want to shove that in his face. I'm doing you a big favor. You don't talk like that, but you know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to do you a favor because I'm going to charge you an interest of 2 or 3%. Yeah, And you can offset that a little bit by raising the price. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. People do that all the time, right? I've I've actually done ones where it's like we're leasing the property, lease purchase, because we teach that a lot. Zero, but we're raising the price up to make up the difference. You can play however you want. You know, you've got a lot of possibilities with that. You're right, Jonathan. Absolutely a lot of possibilities. But what we always have to have some, we have to, us accounts have to back in a little interest. Okay, because yep. the rules are a minimum, and the minimum starts at one point something. It's it's so low. Which I don't. Is really the, yeah, I mean, unless you're doing insane amount, insane, insane, insane amount, it's never going to add up. So I mean, there's still plenty of room to. Yeah, to absolutely, put that in. So, absolutely. I know you're not an attorney, so we're going to kind of skip over this really quickly. But I think I somebody just said, you know, as a starter, the legal setup. Uh, you know, not the tax, the legal LLC, right? Per most. I'm going to tell. I can answer that. An LLC, an LLC, an LLC. Is it, did I say real estate, real estate, real estate, or location, 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 yeah. LLC, LLC, LLC? Which is now, what you, we all have. I mean, honestly, it's yeah. like, I mean, every company we have is an LLC, you know, so that that's huge. So uh, we saw a question here. You already answered this about, you know, paying the future profits over the lifetime of the mortgage in the first year. Again, you said if you hit the threshold, that's it. So $5 million, apparently, if you're under that, you're good. Yeah, I have, it changes a little bit. So I'm, my recollection is five. But that's okay. around there. If you get to that threshold, you're in a good spot anyway. <laughs> in a great spot. No, yeah, no, no, don't like, worry. Don't, don't worry about it. We're going to have to get you some counseling if you're worrying about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Somebody asked that low interest rate that you spoke about, the one point. Is that, is that just an IRS law or what is that? They're asking where that comes from. Well, uh, listen, I'm happy to answer, but I'm going to answer it in a, a vague way. Because it depends, and it depends upon whether the length is less. And I'm—I don't have it in front of me, but it's less than five years or five to ten years. It's a short term versus a, a medium term versus long term. There is a there's a chart. You can Google it if you want. 
And if it's less than five or less than two years, it goes down to 1.2. But you can't, you can't say, hey, I'm, I'm, you can't say, well, I'm going to give this guy 9% at nine, I mean, nine years. It might have to be that it might be 3.52. It's weird yeah, stuff. Yeah. So you have to look up at the chart. And, and honestly, everybody, that's not a huge factor for us for a couple of reasons. One, if you're using a land contract, there's zero re- deal with the higher thing. It doesn't you, you, we're charging 12, 13% because people are paying it. Don't play that game. Just do it. One, because all they look at is the number, right? They look at what they can pay. If you're using the lease purchase agreement, there is no interest anyway, because you're renting the property to them now. So now it's rental income that's coming into you, which is still no ordinary. So you're paying it on that, but it's not on a ta- it's, there's no number. It's a totally different law and everything. I can speak from experience using these. There's no issues. We pay our taxes at the end of the year. Yes, you're going to get hit. There's no way around that. You're going to pay taxes. But you know what? You have to pay taxes. It's legal, you know, but at the same time, it's not huge. And I'm going to go back to one of the things we heard from somebody in, in our group that I think is huge about having the right people in place. They, they actually started using you last year. And they said, you know, we made more money. We paid more because obviously you pay for quality. So your, your fees were more expensive than others. But they said our, what we paid the IRS was less. So, and it, and it wasn't even close. So it's like, I make more money and I paid my accountant more, but I actually ended up saving money because I paid the IRS less because he knew what to do. So that's what's huge here, as opposed to like these people that are like, I'm going to save everything and I'm going to go run to, to uh, whatever that thing's called. I can't even think of the name of it. Like it's set up in Walmart, you know, it'll be set up in Walmart. Like or whatever. Yeah. yeah they're, 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 they're not, or something. They're not competitors at no, all. No, no, no. Like- <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. I like, I like when I get tax returns from H and R block because we'll go back over three years and most of the time we redo them and people like us even more because we get them some refunds. Not all the time, but sometimes we do. All right. I think we hit all the questions. So keep, you can keep moving with, with, no, I'll keep moving. There's, I want to, I want to talk about one other way of buying land. Okay. Is in a pension plan or an IRA. I don't know if you've had speakers on that in the past. Yeah, we did. Yep. We had one not that long ago. Well, there's, let, let, let me tell you, just pretend I'm the big fat horse because it's the horse's mouth. I'm going to be a little weird for you for a second, but uh, the horse's mouth, I like IRAs, buying them in IRAs. But see, here's what, and I'm not negative on an IRA, but you have to understand if you get like Equity Trust or Advanta or one of the companies, there's a handful of them around the country. They have to be, a, you have to have a trustee, okay, when you, when you buy inside an IRA. And, they, and you cannot lend money to your IRA. You can't pay, you, you know, you might say, well, I got this land inside my IRA. I got to pay taxes. Can I pay taxes on my own? You, if you try, the accountants should not know about it. We're not, we're not condoning that because that's what we call a prohibitive transaction. If the IRS finds out you lost all your benefits of that IRA, it's penalties. You pay all tax overnight. Okay, that's why I'm a little strong on that because that's dangerous. Okay, now I know Equity Trust, and I'm not, I'm not pushing any company. I'm not tied with Equity Trust. There's ten, tw- does dozens of them. It doesn't matter. I'm using equity trust as Kleenex, like RC versus Pepsi versus Coke, just in general, okay? Uh, And that just comes to my mind right now. Uh, So you can get them as a trustee. Whoever you pick and you want to buy real estate inside an IRA or a SEP plan, uh, you got to make sure that they have checking accounts or online, or you're able to pay 
from the IRA. You keep money in the IRA to pay real estate taxes and maybe liability insurance or other costs where all of a sudden the county comes in and makes you put up a fence, stuff like that. You cannot pay that from your own account. I mean, you could do what you want, but you're not supposed to, okay? So here's a better way. Once you get to the point where you love what you're doing and you have a lot of properties and you said, this is George, this is what we're doing. We want to be a real estate star. This is what we want. Okay, once we get to that point, then one of your companies will form a very inexpensive profit sharing plan. And you could put, you could buy some real estate inside that. You can't put a business inside it. So the danger is you can't be a dealer inside the IRA or pension. You can't do that. I'm going to say that right up front, period. But if all of a sudden you found a deal, hey, say, you know something? I'm going to go out east to town. And man, I, I found five acres I could buy so dirt cheap. If I hold it five, six years, I'm going to make some money. I like big deals in your retirement yeah, program. We've done that. We're just, again, to help you. I mean, you, you've kind of helped us with that, setting it up. And, and it's basically been larger deals and ones that we're not necessarily in quick hurry to move. Because again, you're only going to get a dealer if you're flipping them. If you're, if you're sitting on it, that's one thing too. So we've purchased properties in IRAs and we've got, you know, we're, we're basically limiting ourselves to that five flip, five sales a year thing inside of it. But then everything else is, is, so you just gotta, I think I, I just, I just realized I missed a bunch of comments because it's on a different feed here. Um, but one of them actually said that they basically said, you know, I'm a dealer. It's like, that's what I do for most of my deals. And then it says, but I also use my self-directed IRAs for the huge deal. So the guy, ha you know, has it dead on. It's like, that's exactly the fl small flips. Yeah. You just deal with that. And that's what you are. So I, it seems to be some confusion on that. Everybody it's fine. Dealer status is not negative. You're going to be a dealer if you're flipping properties. It's, it's, it's where you're trying to avoid that on larger things. Because what you don't want to do is mix. That's what he said. If you're mixing that, if you're, if you're flipping and you're making $100,000 or $200,000 a year flipping, that's great. But if you're doing another couple hundred thousand dollars on other stuff and you're trying to offset it, it doesn't work, right? It's $400,000. Bam, you're getting hit. What, what's happening the other way is you're doing your $200,000 in income from your one company and then another one might have $200,000 coming in a different way where you do get all those exemptions and you do get all that. So that's being able to balance that out and have that set up as you get going. So, and then somebody asked about, I, I guess I mentioned this about different entities con connected under an umbrella. Literally, we have a parent company. That's all it is. My main company, that's my operating company is the owner of those other companies. George set it up that way where those are partnerships underneath it and that company is... The, or the controlling member, I guess, is the right word, right? Not, well, what not I should say, what I should say is, sometimes we do that, sometimes we don't. It all depends. Yeah, it really. And, and again, depends. we don't. In all cases, I even said that. I said we have some where yeah. our yeah. company is that we have ones that were is more of our holding, and we don't want to do that because we don't want it getting passed through towards our 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 the K one and all that. And that one is just an S corp. That's me and my wife. So it really just depends on what your what your strategy is moving forward. That's where you start setting up. I've mentioned this before with you guys. You know, we have five different companies. You guys can build those as you're going, but at the very beginning, you know, you're starting with a single. Um, let's see. Somebody else asked, if you know this, what do you think is the best state to set up an LLC if you're working from overseas? There's a few. What, if this was my client, this is what I would ask. Let's do something live here. Let's pretend I'm interviewing him or her. 
whoever it is, I'd ask, okay, where are they from? It doesn't mean that's the answer. I did not give you the answer. First, I'd say, where are you from? Because you want to have an address somewhere. It's just smart to. But just by renting a post office box in in Tucson, Arizona, doesn't or uh, in lot in uh, not Las Vegas, but uh, uh, in in Nevada or something like that, doesn't necessarily do it. But you got it. So the first thing I always ask when this comes up. Are you tied? Do you have family there, brother, sister, mother, father, depending upon what, whatever walk you're like? You know, or you, or you, if you're overseas, are you a U.S. citizen? Because if you, then this becomes moot if you're not a citizen. Or do you have a green card in this country? Or do you have a special type of visa? But let's assume that you're a U.S. citizen that's temporary working overseas or living overseas. Then you want to say, well, where? Because if you're going to do some of this. From the overseas standpoint, you want to you want to pick a state where you're gonna ha- you're gonna have to get mail uh, or have a registered agent. That's what I'm talking about. You always have to have a registered agent. So you gotta you might want to pay you know pay corporate creations or one of these companies around that will be an agent in a state where you're not exa- unless you have really close families and they could be your registered agent. That's what you got to think of first. But tax wise, if you're domicile, now the legal term is domicile, where you live, where your tax home is, is Paris or London or Israel, wherever. Okay. I mean, I have clients in all those three places, but that's beside the point. Then maybe you, um, then maybe you want to do, you could do Delaware, Wyoming. Some people, some lawyers say are pretty good. Nevada, um, Nevada came out with this business tax and a lot of people not using Nevada as much as they used to. It used to be touted. Florida is a good state. You see, it, it depends because you're going to have to have a registered agent in that state. Mailing is on the Internet. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the mailing anymore because you get everything done through uh, email, whatever the case is. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I've worked with somebody, some people that are like they were from Germany and they set up. I know they went to Florida um, to set up theirs. I mean, you know, the, the, the it's still going to based on where they are and federal and all of that. So it's, you know, I, I have companies set up in three different uh, LLC set up in three different states because of where I've lived, but it's still go, I live in North Carolina. So it's not like I can sit there and be like, no, it's a Florida LLC. I don't pay tax. North Carolina is getting their share. <laughs> you know, I live here. So it's where you're a resident. Yeah. Brother. That's what it is. You're a resident. Yeah. So maybe quickly here, we've already, we're, we're kind of going over a ton of stuff I and mean, we, I, I could keep you here for five hours, right? Cause it's so much, but um, the fiscal year thing, we did talk about that where let's talk about the, cause I, I, that is something that it was funny. I was talking to um, uh, Shelby the other day about it. And, and basically he was saying, you know, you go to college, you go through any tax course, you become just a regular tax preparer any of they don't teach any of that he's like you know oh it's extra paperwork we're not you know that's stupid don't you know from the planning standpoint from everything else it makes sense so just you know really quick on on using because we use i just talked about that right we have our books that we just sent in because our fiscal year ended the end of september uh, and uh yes the last day of september so our books went in a couple weeks ago to get done for the year so maybe a little bit on on that okay I, that's on my list anyway i could easily do that um, here, let me give you the quick history, everybody, of this. Before uh, 86, 1986, S's and partnerships were just whatever you wanted, you can get approval. Now, people said, oh, that's really hard. Everybody told me. 
But, you know, I got a master's in tax and I took the tax court exam because I love tax. Don't shoot me now. I'm not a tax man from the standpoint that I collect tax. Okay. I try to save people money. That's what I do. But uh, I am a tax man. I'm, a, I'm not an accountant. I tell people I'm not an accountant, but I'm a tax accountant. Night and world difference. All accountants do taxes. They A lot of them do. But I, I want to do what's smart tax-wise. Now, that's what we do fiscal years for most everybody. I'd say 95%. It's not optional that we have to change. You can change anytime you want. But it's went with the setup. You, there are ways of changing, but it's it's it takes a little know-how to do that. And I don't always just run to do that. Okay, so back in before '86, you could have a partnership, and you could have a an S structure, and C corps could be any tax they, any tax year you want. But the, what they came along in '86, they said, "Wait a minute, we got to raise taxes." So they came along and said, okay, all the fiscal years, we're going to move to calendar years. And who's going to hate it? The lawyers, the accountants, and the pension actuaries. They didn't care about us. So th they did pass that in 86. And this is what this is important. This is not just trivia. And then everybody, the American Bar Association, the AICPA, the American actuaries, and business companies because they had contracts based on fiscal years of commissions and, and sharing of profits. They went up in arms. They used stupid IRA. You know, this is so stupid. They just told us they're going to move everybody to get more money because everybody's have to file. The companies would have to file two tax returns that year and bring everybody to a calendar year. Could you imagine all the contracts that had to be changed with salespeople, national salespeople around the country that's based on bonuses, based on it was just crazy. So they begged and they begged. They got a new law change in 87. So in 1987, uh, it had to be revenue neutral. And that's important here. Okay. They allow us September, October, November, and December for partnerships and S structures. Corporations, they didn't touch. You can have any one you want. But a C corporation is not necessary for what we're doing here. I'm going to say something about a C corporation because there is one time, let's say you're a married couple and unfortunately you have a child that has autism. This is something dear to my heart. Not that there's somebody in my family, but I'm extremely sensitive about this subject. Okay. And you, and it's going to be $20,000, $30,000 of medical expenses every year for special schooling or whatever. You might do a, a C corporation to make some money and have a, a medical plan. We're not going to talk about that today, but I like to put that out there in case somebody has somebody in their family, a wife or someone that medical insurance is not paying for everything and has a normal, regular bill. Other than that, we're going back to the partnership in the S. You can use September, October, November, and December. Okay. And you have to file for a request. You get approved like 99.9% .9 of the time, actually 100% of the time. They have to approve it. It's not optional from the IRS. Sometimes they screw up, especially like they've been doing with co the last year with COVID. You have no idea. Yeah, well, we've had that. I mean, it was so funny because we even reached out to your office like, a couple of different times. You're like, you didn't get it in in time. Here's your ridiculous fee. It happened twice. And then they send it back. And and it's like They're still not. And then all of a sudden, it's like we get a letter in two months later and they're like, your balance is now zero. It's like yeah, they know, don't they, say they're sorry. There's no yeah, yeah. It's just the oh, same letter. You owe us this. You owe us this. If you don't do this, we're going to do this. And all of a sudden, it's like two months later. So, so that's just a bunch of nonsense because they, they, you know, government bureaucracy at its finest, not having any clue what one hand doing. You know, it just 
That's everywhere. No way now around. Let me, let me let me say why you do the fiscal year. This is not just to be cool or something like that. There's ten reasons, twelve reasons. I I don't know. I used to count them, but I don't count them anymore. I'm going to give you just a few. First of all, it's deferral. So in other words, this has happened so many times that somebody says, "Hey, I got this big deal happening before the end of the year," and and and, and uh, they forget they're on a fiscal year, and they say, "I ask, when's it happening?" Oh, October, November, it's going to close or before December, and it's a big game. I say, do, do you remember we set you up on a fiscal year? If you're on a September, October year end, okay, usually what happens there is that it goes into the next year. So, you know, there's a something in life. I'm not trying to get philosophical or religious on you, but there's a saying that everybody says time heals a lot of wounds. Same thing applies to taxes. Time allows a lot of tax planning. So when you defer, it's not like putting the tax, oh, I'm putting the tax off a year and a half or whatever it is, so the following April, okay? It's that, plus it allows for you to plan more. That's one of the great reasons. Another reason is that if you've got, if you're subject to 1099s, doesn't mean you do anything illegal or wrong, okay? The, tax, the, the 1099s are reported on the calendar year basis, not on a fiscal year basis. So it doesn't mean you got... You go under the radar because the IRS can't match it. Because mm-hmm. you know, with the internet and everything else, and all electronics, and and the and the technology, digital technology, they're auditing different ways today. They're they're getting numbers from banks and deposits. They can't balance. You know, a lot of people say, "I like that. I like to give it to the IRS," but that's not the purpose. I'm not saying for that reason. But it's it's there, there's a lot of little reasons. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it don't matter anyway because we're not hiding anything. I mean, we're we're that's keeping right. everything. Yeah. So. But that is huge. And obviously it's huge too, that if you know you're having a very good year or a very bad year, it gives you an extra three months for personal sake to set that off. Oh man, let's expense a bunch of stuff. Let's, let's, let's go out and buy, let's, let's go do this. Let's sell this product. Let's hold off, you know, push the sale back, you know, oh, I've got a sale that's supposed to close in end of September and it's going to make me a hundred, it's going to kill my, great. Close it a week later in the first week of October. <laughs> so there's a lot of different ways that you can play that game you know, but it's people say, well, I could do that at the end of December to January too. You could, but then everything would be matching. Your personal, everything would come in this way. It's giving you three extra months of, of moving things around and playing with it, you know, to be able to get it to that point so that everything offsets. And that's kind of huge for us, honestly. That's been a yeah, big no, thing with a, let me just say play this, that so. We're playing that game right now. We're in that time frame, October 1st to December 30th, the 31st, right? That's our time. Yeah, no, game. it's exciting. It's yeah. exciting when you, you can have fun with this stuff. The, the one one thing that I want to say is the cost of doing it is not even a cost. Yeah. What the IRS said, because you're deferring, we want to have a little money, some money in escrow. So we got to put some, this is so ironic. They, they said they were going to change this and they never did. It's, it's really in our favor. A lot of accounts that don't know this law, they say, no, there's an extra tax. They have to put some money in escrow by May 15th, the following year. And it, and it just sits there. And the negative is it sits there. You don't earn any interest. Well, I'm sorry you're losing 20 cents on the dollar. I'm sorry about that. I'm joking. I'm being sarcastic because interest is nothing anymore. So, but it sits there. But when you close it down, you get it back. It's, I, I still laugh at it. It's just so unbelievable. I still laugh at it. Yeah, but anyway, that happened because we've offset yeah. some of our stuff. We, we, we had a lot of stuff in one company and then we've offset that company down and then we have it in a different company. And all of a sudden it's like, we just got money coming back to us that it's been like that escrow account that it's just holding 
you know, cause we paid thousands of dollars into it early on when everything was, and then we've, now we've kind of deferred it. Not, I mean, we're actually doing better, but we're moving it into other companies. And so because of that, it's like all of a sudden these checks are coming back and it's like, Oh, where's this from? You know, it's like, I think last year got like $8,000 back and we're just like, that's a nice surprise. Right. It's like, as they start doing that. So and you know, when you make it back, you got to put it, you got to replenish. It's just like a security deposit you put on a rental or, or you're a landlord and you have two, three apartments and you take a thousand dollars in security. That's what it is. It's like a security deposit, but the, it's always your money. It's yeah. always your money. It's not a tax. That's the ironic thing. Enough of that. Yeah. Anyway, and, and guys who are listening, I mean, we're, we're listening to him and, and, and I know there's like a ton of questions coming in, but I mean, some of these are like so specific and the best thing to do is just, you know, if, if you're, if you're need help and if you need to grow, I think somebody made a great comment there that basically said, you know, like just because somebody's a CPA doesn't mean necessarily mean they specialize in something. So you want to go with somebody that specializes in your business. That's why we had George come on. If you are interested in pursuing this further and you have questions about this is the way I'm running my business and this is the way I'm doing this and all of the, call them up, set up an appointment, right? Uh, you can go on their website. I think it was, I saw it posted. If not, we'll post it afterwards, familiar.com. It's really easy, but you know, well, you can go out there. The phone number is out there, contact form, all that stuff. You could just go out, set that up and, and find out if you're in the right situation. Somebody was talking about their LLC yeah, you know, being set up in a state that costs an insane amount of money to set up. Oh, don't set them up in that state, right? It's, it's it's that simple. You can set them up anywhere. So there's a lot of different things that can be done. But it's it's somebody was asking about gifting and and how 1099ing people and all of that comes into play. So as you're going along here, you know, pick up the phone, set up an appointment, you know, have that conversation, you know, and, and set yourself up the right way from the beginning. That's that's the key here. We talked about early on, right? From the the very beginning. Somebody asked that. George answered it about about having the LLC set up. You have the LLC set up. You have the right tax set up. Then from there, you go and you can create these other things as you're moving along. I, I will ask one question that popped up since we talked about it and I missed it because it was on um, a different format. Was they said they have this could be a pretty quick answer. I think it says they have two properties that they're holding, but they're both in their flipping LLC for those two properties. Would you create another and transfer those or just leave it because there's only two? Okay, I got a magic words for you. It depends. That's not a cop out. It depends upon what state it is. You know, you got other factors. Just by the way, you guys, maybe you know this. I've been a, a, a landlord for a long time. So because I own rental properties, nobody, nobody can tell me something that I don't know about. Or, and I'm not trying to be arrogant or anything like that. I got zero of that. But I'm saying anything that could happen with real estate, I've seen, besides having hundreds of clients. So this is something right up my alley. So um, anyway, I just got distracted. So um, what, what, I'm sorry, what were we saying? About, I got the two properties that are in the, the two flipping LLC. Yeah, flipping out. Okay. The, what I, the reason I said at the state, do you have transfer tax or doc stamps? There's a cost. So I look at the whole picture. It's not the little trees inside the forest. What's the what's the, the pathway like? Is there a lot of doc stamps you have to, is it easy to move? If it's just $100, you might want to, depending upon your strategy. Okay. You might want to, depending on how long you're going to learn it. It would be, it would be safer if you did, but I cannot tell you, you must do it. And but part I, of that I would, would like depend on the value of it too, right? I mean, obviously if you're holding a property that's 
you bought for 5,000 that's only worth 15, but you're holding it for some reason. That's different than a property you bought for 20 that's worth 100. And yeah. you have two of those. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of variables involved. That's, in that's exactly the point, guys. All right. That's good stuff. I there. think uh, Jonathan got frozen over here for some reason. My head's still moving. I hear you. I see uh, you. I, I think you got, got frozen. I see you. I don't know. I see you. Back on. Anyway, Jonathan, while you were away, I was talking a little bit about real estate professional status. Okay. Yeah, my I don't know what happened. Zoom just froze up on me. So, <laughs> but I think we're good. But I, well, this is to bring you up to date. Well, we're, I figured, hey, listen, you went off. So I far, started talking. I assumed that they could see me and heard me. But I was starting to talk about real estate professional status, about the 750 hours a year plus over 50% of your time. If you have that real estate status as a professional, you get some tax benefits. I just wanted to say that that's for another day, maybe. Yeah, and that's a conversation to have. I mean, obviously we have that and and that and that's in our parent company that goes back to that. I, I mean, it just, a lot of it depends on what you're setting up and, and, and all of those things. So that's something you want to, you know, you want to have set up, you know, a conversation's, don't stop having the conversations, I think is the biggest thing, right? It's, it's as long as you keep growing, right? I, I mean, you've, even you owning different properties, I mean, you, you have LLCs and you, and you set them off and you bring them back and you close them and you open them, you set up different strategies, you've used, you've used trusts, you've used all different things. I know some of them you've done like um, subject to is the way you acquired some of the properties, some of them you just bought straight out. So obviously that's about homes but all these different things and you create what's going on there based on what you're in. So that's something, again, guys, some deeper stuff here. And, and part of this isn't like, oh my word, I'm doing everything wrong. No, it's, it's, it's setting it up from the beginning the right way. That's all. And if you're not set up from the beginning the right way, then you can go set it up there. And then as you're growing, you know, you set up the other. We didn't start with five LLCs. We started with one. And then we added them when appropriate. So you add things as it's, you know, as appropriate to your business. So we, George, we've had you for over an hour, hour okay. and 15 minutes. So, you know, I don't want to take all your time. And we, I think we answered everybody's questions. So guys, again, thank George. Thank you so much for joining us. We have the planning guide here. Again, if you're on, if you're watching it in the stream here, we had a bunch of people watching and asking comments. If you made a comment, you're good. We'll get that to you. If you didn't make a comment and you want to copy that, make a comment so we know. If you're on uh, um, YouTube or you're listening to the podcast, then just email us at thelandmethod at gmail.com. And George, go ahead and just tell us, tell them really quick. I mentioned it, but to reach out, the best way to do things, I mean, some people are going to want to get things set up. So the website, the best way. Yeah, I think so. Because you, uh, first of all, our number's there. It's easy. Everybody has an iPhone or or Android or whatever, you just type familio.com, F-A-M-I-G-L-I-O.com, familio.com. Some people say familio, I don't care. But it, you can email us through the website. You have, you have all information on the website. We're here in Sarasota, Florida. You call me up on the phone. I have a problem, I talk too much. So you can call me, I'm not gonna yell at you. I'm not gonna tell you, hey, there's no clock running. It's just, I love what I do. Yeah. 
And guys, have a consultation. Find out if it's a good fit. Uh, I mean, I think it, for what we do, I can say I haven't. I've, I've worked with other CPAs in the past. This is the best for that for me. That's why we brought them on. Um, you know, and and even if you're at that beginning stage, like we had mentioned in the group before, you pay a little bit more for the tax services because you're getting better quality. You make more money, but you pay less overall. So how is that a losing situation? You're still winning, right? Because it's done right. So a lot of people asking, um, you know, thanking you. They said how much it's been helpful. Really appreciative. And yes, see, you know, you can call. And if you're interested in, in, in using him for his services, yes, somebody asked if you're taking on clients. So yes, you know, he did say that. So feel free to go to the website and have that conversation. <laughs> I'm going to say one thing. You know, it's so ironic, uh, ironic that I'm smiling about. There's been some people that have called that their price went down substantially. Depends where they are. So I don't know. We're not necessarily more expensive than everybody else. We just, we're, we're spoiled. We like to do not nice more expensive than everybody else, but if they're used to TurboTax, H&R, so if that's what you're used to, forget that out of your mind, it's gone. But and if you're using some local tax preparer that you just go with re, a box of receipts, forget it. It's gone because this is not just tax preparation. It's accounting. It's you're playing, you're paying for everything. So I'm not saying it's the most expensive CPA. It's just going to be more expensive than a lot of people are used to if they're in that, you know, going to Walmart with their forms and sitting there with that little guy that's set up in the front behind his desk. Right. That ain't, ain't going to happen. But you're going to get it structured right. You're going to pay the government less money which obviously is a good thing. You know, you're going to be doing a lot of things because it's all going to be done correctly. So, you know, you, it's, you pay a little bit more upfront to save more in the long run when you do your taxes and then every year after that. So it, it's a good situation. Yeah. Somebody said you need to pay more to save more. That's perfect. Perfectly worded. Okay. So uh, again, everybody's saying, thank you, George. They're popping up here. We had a lot of people on some people might watch this later. So again, go to his <laughs> website. If you have questions, you know, uh, reach out, set up a consultation and, and, and get it set up the right way. And if, even if it's from the very beginning, get it set up the right way. Even if you're only going to be doing a ton of flips right now, get it set up the right way because you can still offset stuff. You're going to pay taxes more on that. You're not going to get those deductions, but it's still better than doing them in your own name. You're still paying better taxes than that because there are things you can do. And then from there, you know, grow and create these other things. So I even have a takeaway from today. Goats don't float. Right. I'm going to remember that. I like that one. Goats don't float. Ducks well, do. You, you know him. So as I said, Mark, and, and uh, that was when he was setting up because Mark did our legal <laughs> stuff, right? You got you guys were working hand in hand. Mark did our legal. And then you were doing our, uh, for those of you who don't know, those of us who are, are part of our training and our courses and all that um, and have our documents. I'm talking about the attorney that actually drafted everything. So that's the attorney that drafted everything for us. And then, you know, George did the, the, the tax structure on that. So, um, but yeah. Huge thing here. Again, the website's in there and we'll put it in the in the description as well as soon as we're done. So George, thank you so much. Great being with you today. And uh, it's, a, it's an honor, everybody. I love what I do. Thank so, you. Thank you. We'll see you guys next week for another episode. Obviously, it'll be shorter next week because it'll just be us. So we thank you all for joining us uh, today. And again, tune in next week uh, for our regular Crushing Land series. That'll just be, again, 15, 20 minutes on a land topic it'll be here on facebook it'll be here in the um in the in youtube group uh, our youtube channel as well and of course uh, it'll be put out as a podcast to listen to as well and we'll be announcing next month's guest speaker shortly as well so again everybody thank you so much for joining us today reach out to george if you have any questions make sure to, to subscribe and like uh, on youtube as well it's, it's where we're going to be hosting all of these moving forward 
as we said, they will be in the group, but they're not going to stay in the group. Uh, so past episodes will stay up on YouTube. So make sure you tune in there uh, if you're not already and, and like and follow that so that uh, you can watch the, the previous episodes if you've missed any or want to go back to them. So again, everybody, thanks so much. And we will catch you next week. Have a great day. Thank you listeners for joining in today. Join us again next week for another discussion on all things land. If you have a topic you want discussed, send us an email about it at thelandmethod at gmail.com or use the contact form on our website, thelandmethod.com. Remember to join the Land Method Facebook group as well if you want to be the first to hear this content and be a part of a community that supports each other in our land businesses. Have a great week. Thank you.